0: and 30 seconds and we'll be live they're waiting for Twitch. Twitch is twitching video is videoing and here we go. Gentlemen we're live and uh to our planning edition or should this be like crimson hawk ops <laughs> something oh, I like, like that like
1: that that's way better yeah <laughs> that's cool
0: crimson hawk ops so we're at the ops center uh the intersection of all things cool for crimson hawk legends which is our game where sci-fi writers uh play old school D&D uh, uh, as hosted by James M. Ward. Uh, today we have uh, some of our regular players uh, to kind of sit down and and uh, try and figure out what the hell we're going to do tomorrow. Because tomorrow we have um, Crimson Hawk Special Missions, a side quest line that we're going to do because uh, uh, Nick needs some loot. <laughs> That's so funny.
1: I was just thinking about like oh you know we should start branding these shows and like you know we should call it like of course I went 90210 Crimson Hawk after dark <laughs> and, and when they rebranded the Peach pit but you are on fire. you're absolutely right. Uh, Crimson Hawk special missions is sort of the, 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 the
0: oh we got some we got some yeah, lag. Nick,
2: you've uh, you've got the, some uh, internet lag going probably because he's surfing <laughs> One thing I've been yeah. doing on each of the event sheets because it's the standard in uh, the guild is I've been putting titles so we can replace all those I called tomorrow uh, crimson crypts nice and uh, we can we can change any of the titles to anything you guys want uh, I just put them as placeholders so I remember where to look up information that is uh, backstory and I assume as we start giving out um, as we start giving out subscriptions and perks, one of those subscription perks might be that they would be included as a viewer on the event sheet shares that shows them what kind of stuff we're getting, who's advancing, where, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Ooh, that's fun! Uh, yeah. So before we before we dive uh, dive too deep into things, uh, let's go around the table and introduce everybody. So we have uh, Chrometheus, who is normally played by. That's your cue.
3: <laughs> Nick Cole. Yes, I was really curly. To... I...
1: I signaled. We we'll come back in. Do I sound better? Yes, you do. Of hey, do I sound better? Sorry, I'm going through a bad spot here. That's okay. Okay. Uh, yes, that is me, Crometheus. Uh I'm the fighter thief. Yeah.
0: And who has the sword uh, with uh, who definitely needs therapy? Uh, and speaking of therapy, we have. um we have uh, Lance Scipio, who uh, Scorpio, who is going through a very hard time right now, uh, played by Mister J.R. Hanley. How you doing, J.R.? Doing good. Uh, Scorpio, not so well.
3: Uh, last we heard, we uh, one of the rings that we received one uh, in the crypt was uh, cursed, blessed, however you want to look at it, by ly- Lycanthropy. So I, I decided lycanthropy. to Lycanthropy. There we go. I do the words. Um, so, when I put it on to, to get the XP for it, suddenly I stripped off all my clothes, became a wolf and now I'm running with a pack. But at least I got to be the alpha, I guess. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so uh, I would just say Jr. one time i jr one time I met a girl who said that she had lycanthropy, and uh, let me just tell you, if you ever meet anybody like that, don't pass up that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh it's gonna be that kind of show uh we have uh and it's not even after dark yet i know yeah Um, we're in the just say no hour (laughs) we have wordna being played by andrew barry how
2: are you sir i'm doing well uh the wet look is in we got a lot of rain coming but
0: uh we're making out all right
2: right on right on uh, we have a couple people
0: in the chat. Uh, Knight of Barsoom wanted to know Is Gerard dead yet?
2: <laughs> no. Uh, we're not tracked uh, Lance and uh, followed him into the forest. After he transformed and shed his uh, equipment, which we recovered, uh, I tracked him using spells and stealth, or stealth spells, as we now call them. And uh, he is happily the alpha male in a pack of sixty wolves, and these wolves are a combination of wolves, werewolves, probably people, etc. And he will continue in this glorious escapade for at least thirty days until the next new moon. Oh, that sounds uncomfortable for us for
0: some reason. <laughs> That's a lot of wolves. It sounds yeah. Like- just so okay.
1: Just just so, like a lot of the Twitch streamers know, or whatever. Um, what we're doing with Jim between missions is we're keeping in contact with him, following up on business, dealing with things, and sometimes there's some some sort of micro role playing things that are going on. And that's what this po- podcast is for: is to kind of tell you what's one of the one of the things it's for is to to tell you what we're doing uh, between between
0: we have we have Nick playing the uh, the unhappy Cylon right now and then also
1: so what we're planning to do for tomorrow's <laughs> yeah
0: we have uh, Nick you're breaking in and out a little bit so uh, playing the unhappy Cylon uh, Werner, would you want to uh, expand on that a little bit
2: um So right now we're taking a look at a couple of different options. One is uh, Chrometheus has asked some of his partners to assist him in a trip to the Crimson Crypts. And that'll be a chance for Chrome to procure objects that the local thieves guild, the Greyhawk Guild, has requested he return to him. Chrome has explained that there is an incredibly powerful undead former paladin who resides in this location, and we are considering uh, who to bring. Right now it looks like uh, our uh, a threesome of core four as <coughs> currently uh, Lance is indisposed. And so we've been strategizing a bit about what kind of punch do we want to pack to go up against uh, a pretty nasty and volatile undead. So the spellcasters, that would be Walt and myself, have been puzzling through our opportunities to provide a little extra bite to uh, Chrome's strong undead sword fever. Yeah, so... uh... Well, right now it's a sword that actually has uh, a very strong bonus against undead. What I'm going to do is add my custom spell that I created called Elemental Blade. That will uh, continue to add extra dice of damage every round uh, to it. Uh, well, you hopefully will take that new uh, very nasty Fultus spell and uh, uh, spring that surprise. I, in turn, will uh, add in a hold undead as as well as a couple other undead volley type spells so that we can do maximum damage and try and get in and out quickly the challenge we have is that uh jim has warned us of uh impending uh dimensional transport which means that the actual filter where this creature lives is probably not on the prime Material plane oh that so, sucks <laughs> so getting back is going to be our biggest issue and there is a massive reduction in capability, the capacity of prime beings, when you planar travel. So we may lose some of our juice depending where we wind up. Um, you, of course, can uh, deal with that by memorizing negative plane protection, which will allow us or at least afford us some of our mojo back.
0: Right on. Yeah. What, what, level, what level spell is that? Mm. I believe uh, MPP is three. hanging off I'll tell you for sure. Dear Lord. You know, it's crazy with all this digitalness. G- breaking out a book is actually the fastest way to discover it. Uh, yeah. Go ahead.
1: Am I out of Cylon jail yet? Do I sound better? Yes, you
0: sound <laughs> fantastic.
1: Okay, cool. And JR, since you're uh, a dog now, for all intents and purposes, rough, are you going to roll a new character and sort of start what we've been uh, encouraged to by the DM to make secondary characters?
3: Yes, so I already rolled a dwarf fighter, um, the Novian uh, Gorgas of the Atropia clan.
1: Did you really roll it? Did your mom watch you roll the dice? Is that why you have all 18s?
3: (laughs) I wish I had 18s. I used uh, uh, Dragon's Foot, which is a uh, second gen uh, character pre-generator and it did the, the dice for me and then I just put that in my sheet and took those numbers so because it was quick and i was also that day rolling 19 uh retainers for my cavaliers jam
1: you love that cavalier don't you
3: he's a lot of fun but he might die soon you know how james is Uh, excuse me james doesn't care kill characters characters kill characters
1: yeah every serial killer says that ask everybody in jail if they actually committed the crimes they commit So, um, on the, so on the stream on the stream,
0: uh Knight of Barsoom wants to know, ah, Nick's sword. How is Karen?
1: <laughs> you know, that sword is a lot of fun. I like it, and Jim paid me a pretty high compliment. Um because uh, you know, again, this is an homage to the original Dungeons and Dragons game that Gary Gygax developed the original campaign that we should say to really test a lot of the rules that you would see in first edition, AD&D, second edition, however you wanna call that. And and ultimately that becomes the basis of Dungeons and Dragons as we know it. So, you know, when I talked to Jim originally about doing this, I said, I'd really like to play, as Jim calls it, a Gygaxian campaign. And so Jim was, you know, and and Andrew, who's in the, in the conversation today, were actually players in that original game back in the 70s and Jim had this very sword and it was a real bane to him he did not like it it caused him a lot of trouble he told me the other day it cost him about three or four levels a couple of million in experience um, and and he kind of fought the sword and he didn't like having to give it you know it's the sword is a total gem whore and i thought the really neat interaction from the last series was when uh, nicole's getting out of the car say goodbye nicole
3: bye everyone
1: do what do you hope
3: um i hope you guys win it d and d next time okay thanks <laughs> so um <laughs> that is so not right <laughs> winning does your mom did I your mom really tell it. you that nick yeah
1: she they, they all mom said that am i wrong i hope you win at d and d So, um, so, you know, he said, he said, I really like how you've played fever because you, you've made it an ally, you've made it an NPC. And he said, I never really could do that. I I fought that and it didn't turn out well. And everybody, you know, like it was, I think he put the sword in the party to be a source of irritation, but I think the party has really worked with the sword, you know, a little grudgingly, but it's turned out to really do a lot of stuff for us. It detects magic. It practically identifies now it detects gems. It's got opinions about monsters, you know, whether that's coming from the DM or not. That's pretty cool. So uh, I, I think I think we're doing good. I like the sword.
0: It's interesting in the way that it reacts and constantly demands the biggest, shiniest thing in the pot. Um, yeah. But it's funny the way that, you know, because, I mean, Jim is obviously playing the personality of the sword, and, and it's funny because uh, of the way that you uh act by treating the sword you know almost like (laughs) uh, almost like an addict it's like it's like no 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 no, no. you can you can have your fix but you gotta do this one thing for me first (laughs) yeah well you know dog
1: i mean uh, dog uh you know uh uh well as a as a dog specialist handler trainer lover um it's kind of like the sword's kind of like a dog Mm -hmm. it's just it's 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 its own little chainsaw and and uh, Walt, Walt owns and runs a flying chainsaw he, the, called the Malinois. So, you know, that like, they have to, they kind of have to be coaxed, you know, with, you know, good and negative behavior to get what you need it to do. I mean, at least that's an outside observer's opinion, but what I, what I really like is when I forget what happened, but somehow Andrew denied the sword, what it wanted and it started crying <laughs> and.
2: <laughs> that was pretty funny. That
0: so, it, when he started negotiating with it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I think of my role as the as your sponsor. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If if, That's if true. If if addict is where we are, I I am the tough, angry love that is immune to it because it knows I have more power, and yeah. being able to dispel it and literally shut it off is probably the threat that both uh, walt and i can put over its head to make it perform and since that tough love episode it has provided more and more value and so yeah. uh i'm very willing to enable it to bundle and take damage uh and get things and i think our next surprise that i'm planning on springing on it is going to be more in line with look our strongest blood bag who's got a bit of an anger issue at the moment until we get him back um uh, is hurting so you need to make sure that you are providing suker for him so i'll be interested to see how we can manipulate the sword to affect uh outcomes and that's a goal yeah it's i think that
1: i think i think that'd be fun and i'm just all y'all got any more of that sword
3: (laughs) speaking of the um the lances problem so in the chat uh knight of barsoom has said that the uh wolf's name should and wolf form should be
2: woola <laughs> so we'll, we'll gotcha. go with it nice right? nice brew hey woola, woola was incredibly loyal and uh uh could take out the uh the, the tiger hornet who's i cannot think of the name of the was it called a sting what were those things called hmm yeah scary okay Just, uh,
3: for, for someone not in the know, what's the backstory then of Woola? Because I'm almost afraid to Google it. Oh
2: so God. John Carter, when he uh, arrived on Mars, or Barsoom, sorry, uh, and and navigated his way around, uh, eventually uh, struggled in combat and and met, uh, when he was captured by the threx, he uh, met uh, this creature that he was thrown in to deal with. And instead of uh, killing it in combat, he aided it when it was fighting an apt. An apt was the six-armed white apes that literally rend everything limb from limb. But John Carter's enhanced strength and uh, agility on Mars allows him the ability to help it. So as Woola is going down, he uh, helps rip the ape apart and that buys permanent loyalty. And Woola is this, I believe it's a ten-legged furry beast that he uh, translated in his uh, Virginian Southern style from the late 1800s, translated it as his loyal dog. And so he treated it like that. And this is a creature who never had anyone care about it in any way. It was just a combat killer. Um, Imagine the way many people uh, mistakenly reference pit bulls. Pit bulls get the worst press out there, but are nowhere near uh, the most violent dogs ever. It's just that's all the news ever shows. Pit bull, pit bull, pit bull. Woola is that pit bull. Uh, uh, often confused, often misrepresented, but the most loyal and the most fierce, which is a good description of you.
0: (laughs) Especially right now. Uh, Knight of Barsoom also says, Imagine a six-legged dog the size of a Shetland pony with several rows of razor-sharp teeth.
2: Yeah, six legged, not 10. I had that wrong. But yeah, that's that's exactly it. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And when it locks its jaws, it's it's a one way door. So what we know about you right now as a werewolf is where we have to do kid gloves because one, you're chaotic evil. That's a problem. So your followers can never know about this, which is why we need a bard is going to be a perfect friend for us in the future. Because uh, I'm going to pacify your herald and, and uh, distribute some goodwill to your men uh, and let them know that you're on a secret mission. And that will keep them out of the caring for you while we then manage your environment. One of the things I'm working on is a potion, uh, the Moon Scroll, so that I can hopefully get you to be able to transform back outside of the ring's purview. So if we can uh, trump that and circumvent its power over you, then you can at least uh, gain enough faculty back to be able to deal with certain things.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and if yeah. You, I, uh, yeah, Go ahead, Walt. I was just going to say, uh, um, uh, it, it was often maligned, but I really, I, I really enjoyed it. Not because it was a great representation, but just because it was a really fun movie for an afternoon. Uh, the Disney John Carter of Mars. Um, the scene where they where they show. Uh, Woola showing up They don't go into They just have it as like a guard dog But um, the animation of it And the way it moved I gigg- I giggled like an idiot for a good 10 minutes
2: Oh I would love to see that I have yet to see the the uh, John Carter, the Disney one I, I always loved the books And I heard no good things And so I didn't think I could take it
0: yeah, it, it was a deviation from the books. Um, they they changed a lot of stuff to try and cram what was essentially uh, two or three of the novels um, into the time frame uh, because they wanted to. It seemed like they didn't know if they were going to do sequels, so they tried to cram as much as they could in. Um, but the animation for that dog was hysterical. I mean, it was just. I'd love to see that if you just it's, go on YouTube and and just check out the like the scene with with the dog, it, it you you'll giggle like an idiot. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, and and, and some of the things it fought were so amazing. Those books are are a great derivative of how D&D got started, if you look at Appendix M. It it reminds me a lot of when Amazon announced that they had bought and were uh, producing the rights to Elric, and I was... Uh, lots of trepidation, lots of fear, lots of hope based on seeing The Witcher and some of that stuff. And then Moorcock did an interview about four months ago. And he's like, Yeah, Amazon got back to me and said, since The Witcher's doing so well, uh, they don't want to put Elric out because they think it'll be too much of a repeat. And he said, I, I laughed as we explained that the guy talked about I was the foundational idea behind The Witcher. <laughs> so uh, you, you can't win. Things like Elric and uh, Corwin of Amber. Those things are a struggle to produce because they are so foundational. They bring so much to the uh, ideal of the world. It's, it's very difficult to represent them in film.
0: So what do you think, Nick? Yeah. What what do you think uh, we're going to have to do uh, to um, kind of... I know we're going to have to... Because it's not a, it's not a remove curse uh, because it's a magic item that's doing it. Yeah, You're right. So what, what do you guys think we're going to have to do to um, <laughs> our good friend Scorpio, a.k.a. Woola?
1: Well, I mean, it seems to me like, and, and I'm, I'm the thief, so, you know, like, that's, you know, magic is uh, a little beyond me, but Prometheus is a special kind of person, so he has some, some other knowledge. But it would seem to me like the easiest, most straightforward thing would be to trap the pack and to dispel magic on the item, right?
2: Well, the pack is tracked. We can follow them now. I've got a way that we are able to follow them. So we're square there. And I've thought about dispel magic. That at least would get the ring off. So it would be a one and done. The question is, has it changed him to be a and Thor permanently? Or is it a transformational assistant? So hard to know. Well, I guess we'll find out if we detect that the ring is still magic afterwards. So dispel yeah. magic uh, because it's a constant object will just be an off switch. We'll turn it off, and then we can try and get it off, and we can do that by reducing his size, his being uh, Lance, so that we can make him smaller than the ring and let him run away, and we keep the ring. So
1: yeah, you know, Lance, you should you should set up a session to with with Jim to role play as the werewolf. That'd
3: be fine. <laughs> okay. Maybe we can uh, do that as part of the Halloween stuff, since it is October. Even if we don't air it until Halloween and record it in advance,
1: yeah, that would be fun. So um, we all kind of like, you know, I'm sure I'm sure we're all. I know, I knew Andrew's doing some stuff with Jim behind the scenes. So um, what Prometheus has been doing behind the scenes is he's been basically responsible for the death of several sages um, because he keeps (laughs) hiring to work on stuff because Prometheus likes to acquire knowledge because knowledge is power. And so uh, he had, you know, um, we ran into, on one of the first adventures, uh, we, 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 went, we saw a dark tower out in the distance. And maybe after this, Andrew could color in if that dark tower was actually part of the original campaign. I'm assuming that it was. There was a black dragon on top of it. We said, well, we're not ready for that. Let's steer away from that. So Prometheus went back to Greyhawk and spent some of his money hiring a sage and found you know he just wanted to know about the Black Tower. And the next time he went to visit the sage, that sage was dead and he had an arc carved in his chest. All the information he was able to get from the sage before he died is that there's sort of like a um, r- warlord out there named Robilar and he has a bunch of orcs and everybody in the city is afraid of him. So Prometheus is pursuing some courtly intrigues behind the scenes to maybe get a commission to wipe this guy out. But here would be a great thing, you know. Meta uh, sometimes James listens to these podcasts. Sometimes he doesn't. But what you could do in werewolf form, you could do two things. You could scout those trolls and be pretty safe with your pack, and you could scout that tower
2: so i have i got similar information in that my relationship has now improved with the black wizard in town and that we swap spells and he really likes my spells and so he started to give me some of his and he gave me similar information uh without um, a sage and the death of a sage um the challenge we'll have is if if this is old school uh jr will have no control over lance so typically the way uh, a werewolf was run is NPC only. It is much more the evolution of third and fifth edition where you can play as uh, a Lycanthorpe. Uh, There were rare situations where there was the capability of uh, players to uh, continue as a werebear, which was the good aligned uh, Lycanthorpe. The werewolf is 100% chaotic evil. So we won't be able to have any relationship with it, any negotiation with it, anything other than it attempting to tear every single human or other creature apart if it gets to it, nor will it negotiate with us. So our job is to restore Lance's psyche to him because if we can get the ring off, Lance's inherent ability, which is resistant to mental uh, attack should allow him to overcome everything short of a full transformation so that's my thought
3: could be interesting i will see how jim uh wants to run it because exactly. I mean, he's running it as gary would but i understand he's making some adjustments to make the show entertaining because we're we're streaming it um and so he might be open to I don't know some adaptations as long as it's in the in the vein of how they would have been run,
2: even if it's not exactly so. The way the way of transformation in the old days went, when you got cursed or you got X, Y, and Z turned into another thing, your character sheet was gone. You were done. You, there there wasn't negotiation. It was just done and gone. And so uh, Jim appears to be seeing this more as an epic campaign than, uh, um, you know, a a one-off, which is sort of how Greyhawk Adventures traditionally went. You went down, you did your dungeon crawl, you came back, next time new people. And so because the core four is always continuing, we are starting to get a storyline sort of like a wake of water around us. And as we are accepting of the wake coming in, that's giving us more backstory, more details and more meat. So that's what we have to figure out. It's one of the reasons I'm trying to make this potion, because if you can get mental control, a cavalier is the best uh, werewolf ever in that you will have the most chance to be able to hold your position. Now, the problem is this. Should your followers see you as this thing, they're gone. And so that's what's devastating for us. And if they leave, we
3: hunt them down and kill them one by one. Oh, well, there is,
2: there, is, there is that unfortunate plan. But you are, <laughs> you, are, you are one follower away from starting to attract your high-level lieutenants and commanders. And those guys are going to come in and really move the ball for your ability to control large uh, situational uh, skirmishes we're going to do outside. And so we, we want that to occur. And so we really need to see if we can get you back under your own power. That's my goal, anyway.
3: We, we almost got a level 5 at level 7 um, cavalier, but the dice just did not go in my favor.
2: Well, you, you still are, have been rolling exceptionally well. And, and with the number you got, you got the best armed guys that you could get. And so yeah. that's phenomenal. You have medium lancers who are all cavalry. So just the cost to outfit those as NPCs would have been a fortune. And now they're just cooking with gas, waiting for you to show up with, uh, you know, a bunch of Dinty Moore beef stew and some MRE. So, <laughs> so,
3: so, so Walt, well, don't don't tell anybody about the whole calf thing, right? I want to keep my blue cord. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I try. It. Well, <laughs> you know, you're a typical. Uh, you
3: could be bribed with coffee, I'm sure. You're a
0: typical <laughs> infantryman who has gone calf. Uh, you know, you're
2: you're all about the blue cord until it's death before dismount. <laughs> <laughs> well. And, and and at the moment, I will tell you, Jr. I am working on uh, your horse alternative. So, I could be a Pegasus, right? Uh, well, I'm, I'm working on two different options to give you some serious upgrades in your ability to have a mounted uh, companion. And uh, assuming I pull that up. So I am one level away from being able to manufacture magical items. Cool. And so I'm everything we ever accumulate. So any any crypt thing any uh scrapings of stuff any dust any bones any anything i am archiving because all those are components i'll need to create magic items so yeah i need a spot being thrown out of the inn that's the reason i negotiated hard to stay in there need to be one level higher and then then we'll figure out where we can live
3: uh, i think we should pursue although lance can't do it now for a little bit <clears throat> it's that time of the month i guess um <laughs> but uh, ah. he, <laughs> I couldn't help myself, but uh, that's why I suggested since they were uh getting grumpy about us being there, maybe just buying out the bottom level, like buying out the basement.
2: So, never seen that happen. If we can pull that off, that will be phenomenal. And the other thing is, uh, if we get a bar, one of the things I would like to do is start negotiating with some of the guest stars to uh. Maintain residence in the inn so that we can have access to them. Remember, a bard chrome will replace our sages in that a bard has legend lore. And that's going to be our answer when my identify fails us. We can then have a bard use legend lore on objects. And that's going to be the ball for us.
3: So, we have not this coming Friday, but next week, we have is a special guest star, a uh, voice actor. Her website is uh, Voices by V, uh, Veronica Jiguerre. I cannot pronounce her French last name. I'm sorry, Veronica. I've never once gotten it right. She uh, has done the Ember Wars series, or not Ember Wars, the uh, Empire of Bone series by Terry Mixon and a bunch of other stuff. She co writes with Mercedes Lackey uh, and she does a lot of stuff with Bane, but uh, she's a, a huge huge nerd as well <clears throat> so she's riding a bard because you know she does the voices so. yeah
1: and next in two weeks it'll actually be another really cool thing and i'm really glad she's on for that because um Luke guy has uh a- allowed us to be the inaugural stream for gary con that weekend really? Really? virtual gary con. yeah yeah so that's being yeah. set up right now
2: yeah so that was the gig we talked about a couple of days ago with him and it was um uh, he wanted Jim to run a game. And so my idea that I asked was, would it be reasonable to have, because he, he knows that we exist and he's going to be a guest star for us, um, could, we, could we be your uh, Friday afternoon activity? And so we are that. Now, that means we have all the GaryCon followers. We have all the Autumn Revel followers. We have the Twitch stream of the folks who watch Luke Gygax. So it's going to be very interesting to have this opportunity for us to be seen by such an international stage. So we'll be pretty excited.
1: I'd like to next level that podcast a little bit, you know, and I'm open to ideas. And I think Andrew had a really great idea is that it might be time to go to character headshots. Um, you know, like, I mean, are we all that interesting is like, and that could be something that, You know, the chat could kind of tell us or weigh in. Like, is it really that interesting to see us staring at the camera, or should we get some really nice art, and we'll just put that up as our camera (laughs) shot? And you'll just see Jim DMing, and then maybe like at the beginning or the end of the podcast, we'll flip back to our cameras. But I think that would be cool. What do you guys think? And and does anyone else have any other? next level ideas. Walt, what do you got,
0: man? Well, um, in the chat, one of the things that people are asking for are, um, specialized emojis to, to use on Twitch. Um, and that's, okay. that's going to come hand in hand, uh, with, uh, us being able to get subscribers and do other things with the channel. So this, this last podcast that we're doing right now fulfills our, um, our broadcast requirement, uh, for Twitch to allow us to, uh, pursue that kind of a partnership. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, Gonna start doing that in the mix uh, to get that going, but they said that uh, uh, one of the things that they should do is that the um, they should uh, we should all do like th- some of our emojis should be emojis of the uh, of the core like like couple of players. Um, uh, of okay. course, uh, Knight of Barsoom said, just make sure no JR. Uh, they don't they don't
3: want uh, <laughs> one for uh, for the God Jimmy. I don't
0: know what that's about, yeah, but for for J- for James M. Ward. So in other words, a specialized oh, okay, James okay. M. Ward emoji. Uh yes, yes. we could we could have an emoji of him like pointing his finger, you know, like don't be funnier than G M, you know, that kind of that those kind of uh things thrown into the into the mix. Um but that's all part of what we're doing today and why we're trying to broadcast today. Uh because you have to have so many shows per um per month in order to Uh, qualify for that so you know we had to kind of get that in and make sure that uh, we were doing that requirement Uh, but yeah um, specialized tokens um, you know having headshots instead of instead of us could be a fun thing especially if uh, done as our characters the danger to that um, is that um,
2: characters die yeah characters (laughs) die
0: so we might um, be better
2: suited to having that as our background having the characters. So one of the nice things about zoom will be our ability to interact with it in the background. So it might make sense for us to make the characters. One of the things I'm going to start posting on my zoom background is my wizard mark. I've drawn uh, a symbol of a Phoenix and created a background for what that's going to look like. Um, and so I'll start displaying that behind me and, and that'll be a thing that people get used to seeing, but I'm also, um, looking for a way to find either a picture or hand draw or find someone who can help me uh, draw, you know, my wizard with um, the pseudo dragon on my shoulder because he's a very interesting looking thing. And so I've been working about in when I distribute our um, summation every week. uh, I've been adding in lots of stuff with the story of Razor. Razor wanted a cat. So I went and got a kitten. Uh, We've got this, we've got that bunch of different things. So yeah. yeah. Who knows? Well, so, Walt's an artist,
1: well, or I can bring in the Galaxy's Edge artist, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. I think your headshots already or just, sleep. <laughs> Yeah, but I think even just Walt's, you know, like when he did the Beholder, and he said, you know, he just scans that, and and you know, it becomes I I I don't know artistic terms, line art and stuff like that. Maybe it would be cool just to have you know line art versions of our characters, and then people could download them and they could color them in and post them in the chat if they wanted to. And like, they'd probably maybe could do something really cool. I don't know, but, uh, we don't have to do it. I think, I think two weeks from now is going to be a really big show. And so if there are any, that's a, that's an idea to consider, consider, obviously we've got to get on these emojis. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but I think Walt and Jr. have a pretty good handle on that. I'll do whatever it takes. Are there any other ideas that we can have to sort of next level the show?
2: Well, it might be fun as we start getting uh, subscribers who want to subscribe at the higher levels. And Walt and I were talking about this at the very beginning, is to provide ways to include them. So we could allow them to uh, see uh, the event sheets, to see what we actually see. We could allow them to have access to our map pack, uh, the various maps that we hand draw and then post in our event sheets. We could allow them to look at um, our inventories, at our magic item list, at the custom spells I create. We could truly let them go in different directions. We could have them possibly influence uh, spell selection on Walt and Mai's part. Uh, There's lots of different things depending. So if you look at how people do patronage for artists, we could truly have people who are patrons and they have some level of contribution that brings them into the show or, or allows them, you know, a higher priority in chat or their voice is more of a vote in the in the membership vote. We do that uh, in my own club in that our guilds have a GM, a guild master for that. And he brings forth uh, all of the different ideas for the members of each of the eight guilds of Warp. So there's lots of things we can do that would really step us up
3: Speaking of fan involvement, we have Felix the Swift uh, suggesting special horses for uh, for Lance Scorpio would be a unicorn or a mechanoid horse. So a mechanical horse. Um, And then we have Knight of Barsoom. So JR's not dead, but he's naked. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And he's afraid. uh, No, he's chaotic evil.
3: Because of yeah. the uh the gamma world where I ended up dead naked and uh, afraid. a lot in that and afraid in that game. Uh that's naked become somewhat of a friend. running a running joke as how long before my character's naked and afraid. I think I died like at least a dozen times in Gamma World. Would you guys like a theme song?
1: Like if I have a composer <laughs> that I work with and uh and I could probably convince him to get us sort of a show opening theme song. Would you guys like that?
0: Yeah, like
2: would that, crazy would cool that add to the polish? Yeah. I mean it just when, when you did that animated preview, the very first thing that I ever saw after our first session, and I distributed that, sorry about that, I distributed that among all of the guilds, the number one thing was, where did this all come from? They, they loved that level of extra effort, and then I started hearing about it from a whole host of people outside who were so excited just, you had animation you had music you had traditional DD things a bunch of atypical things just the idea of music is such a powerful addition one of the things i'm fooling with now with 45 years of campaigning is the tournament that i run at all these conventions normally in our regular sessions we have music but virtually we haven't been doing that because music overcomes the speakers but having if if what you're saying a prologue and then uh, in the end credit space. So maybe we're going to get to a point where there's a production value, Walt, where there's an actual, you know, here's the executive producers, here's the showcasters, here's the cast, here's the this, that. And as more people get brought into it, it may become, you know, a very compelling thing. Yeah, we can Walt, do that Walt, now. Walt, Walt,
1: Walt, Walt is the show producer, I'm the show runner. And, uh, you know, we're adding people as we go. But I'm kind of thinking something like, Um, the Rolling Stones' Sympathy for the Devil, sort of the the drum beat that opens up that. And I'm thinking, but I want to somehow incorporate like third world instruments and maybe some dice or, you know, maybe some tin pan music and kind of just make it kind of like, I want to get away from, I see a lot of, you know, like basically podcasts that do, here's our version of Lord of the Rings and kind of move it something into something a little more, you know, hip and groovy and fun. But still, still, like you know, maybe like the kind of music that you would you would hear walking through Greyhawk Bazaar,
2: and that's that's a very compelling. So, if you've ever watched the um, uh, the Mandalorian series, uh, they have a director slice of right. the episodes. You can find <laughs> one of them, they talked to the guy that they got to do the music, and he talked about that. Look, here's the derivative stuff that defines Star Wars. So we can all say. These are the things we know that are D&D-esque, right? There's there's known songs, there's known music, and exactly, Lord of the Rings seems to have embedded itself in the culture as the starting point. But there's lots of other stuff, and I think your idea of exploring that, I always use, um, uh, for my Barrier Peak stuff, I always use the intro from Alien and Aliens, because it's so outer-worldly. It's so upsetting and opening. It, it gives you a sense of taking you somewhere and i really love your idea because that's what we're doing that's different we do fit the stereotype but we're from a forgotten home we're an older mindset and that reflection of intelligence of you doing that but then making it hipper uh, appealing to the younger generation the voters that we are going to be interested in are the people who consume uh media in this way as younger people and they do that instantly they quickly size up the relevance and the credence uh and they are mostly 5e players but i'm finding more and more kids interested in old school d and so our ability to communicate to them on their level with their kind of music that's a powerful idea
1: now i think like i mean and you know andrew knows of what he speaks because he has three degrees in pretty much the study of the mind, I would say, or, you know, uh, I, I you, right. sociology, psychology, and another one, but, you know, you're absolutely. Yeah. And then philosophy, there's another, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, the, I think what I think is happening in D and D with exactly what you said right there is, you know, you have the sixties and you have a lot of the English musicians, you know, who don't want to be the Beatles. Don't want to just be pop songs and things like that and they go back and they start listening to early blues musicians And that's how that's how you get Clapton. That's how you get Zeppelin and stuff like that You go back and get these people to make these incredibly deep works and stuff like that and so I think there's like the first-edition crowd there is a Early I think the kids are gonna see us as early blues musicians and what I really hope is that influences what the game could become or what games could become as opposed to what big tech did to them. And then honestly, you know, the progressive left, you know, turning them into a morality tale instead of, you know, what, what James does is it's an unforgiving lesson in bad choices. And what should kids learn? They should learn unforgiving lessons about bad choices. You know, in theory on the table top instead of real life so i hope they see us as those early blues musicians
2: well and i and i think that's less the 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 opportunity to be a trailblazer is is not a left or a right issue it's it's a mindset issue and that comes from all sorts of walks of life the intriguing thing about the core and the people that are brought in is each of them brings to the table an experience that provides a value that explains the story and that's cool. And I, I think yeah. part of the continuation of this saga is what people started asking us for at the last After Dark. Hey, what's Wordos backstory? And I had one. And so, uh, being a guy who creates, uh, we just had our 3,000th character rolled up last Tuesday. You know, 45 years of campaigning uh, in the same world, our 3,000th character was rolled on Tuesday. And I always tell folks, look, when you join in the world, there's stuff about the world that exists. And so that is created very differently than how the 5E people do it. Um, and that's not to say they're wrong. It's just to say that the old school way has the dark stuff. The gods that we have around us are not nice. Our gods are bad. Vecna, us, these guys suck. They are horrible. Jim is going to put and set. We, we've already made best friends with the toughest crowd out there. So they're gonna pound us into the crowd unless we figure out how to fight them. And that's what's exactly right, Nick. The lessons we learn are we're not all getting trophies. We all don't get to go home some days. And you're sometimes happy to come back not as an ant. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. just putting the ants out there as like, how dumb are you guys? And that's awesome we've decided yeah. to take some of those risks and i i really think that uh we can get uh, a bigger audience by by this creativity by being unique that's rare people don't want to it's easier to conform it's just easier and our our willingness to take risks leads us somewhere
3: i think the, and- speaking of speaking of backstories. Uh- uh, Nathan Petty, who's uh, one of the ones in our group, just made him a mod because he was so active. Anyway, we're trying to grow the the Facebook group. He shared a, a meme the other day about this uh, this character who's like his wife. Uh, his wife was killed on their wedding night by a dragon, and he pulls the sword and he hunts down the dragon and he kills the dragon to avenge his, his murdered family. And then you know that's his backstory, and then he dies by a level one goblin. And so there's there's something to be said for, for backstory growing as the character does, because mm-hmm. it's it's the the acts not not talk kind of thing. Like you're known by what you do, not what you say you're going to do.
0: So yeah. I think yeah,
3: I think there's there's some fun and lessons there too, just in general on, on how you create your character. So I went with uh, less is more for for Lance's backstory. You know, this typical noble. He was the second son of a warlord, so he was sort of sent to find his own way. And he started with his I armor like, and his honor. And that was it. I like that
1: the infantryman sums up the famous, you know, Greek antiquarian quote, deeds, not words as acts, not talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Be great> good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but,
1: it, but it's, but you're, you're, you're spot on. I mean, and, and that was always my long, you know, contention is that, you know, when I was a kid, you rolled up some stats and, and you just started playing and then stuff happened to you and that was your history. Not necessarily that, you know, that, that thing that you were talking about is absolutely right. You know, I slew a dragon, blah, 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 wasted by a first level goblin, but that's so to what the point that Andrew is saying is about, you know, everybody gets a trophy and people have people, you know, it's just weird. Like, I mean, when you come in with that much development about who you are, It kind of tells me that you're not really willing to play with the group, like I'm an improv actor, trained at the Groundlings in Los Angeles, that was the basis of how I made my way through Hollywood, and it's so much about taking from the group and not being controlling and kind of determining, you know, not trying to force everybody into your fantasy, but telling that story together in a circle, which is a lot of fun
2: it's a really joyful group because we're able to do that even though we tend to take a major league beating almost I mean part of part of going into a Gygaxian world is is conceding to the beating and and there's a real there's a real sense uh my I can tell you my guild members just love what they really get off I haven't I haven't been a player in 43 years oh, I've wow. only uh, dm for 43 years and they really enjoy seeing me and, and how we get tortured and beaten and, and, and you know stagger home and that's there's there are great lessons there about uh the stuff that we're doing that i think is is good for people to watch to remember that we don't all win we've dragged up bodies we've forgotten bodies we've had bodies denied us uh as we've tried to go home and and that's the way it works life Life isn't always fair, and and Jim's Jim's flavor of campaign is to let you know that even the greatest uh, idea or challenge doesn't always work. Things things fall apart, and they, and the center doesn't always hold. But by being a strong group, that really enables us to uh, uh, come back and try again.
0: So uh, what yeah. if, uh, tomorrow, when we descend, so tomorrow
2: we got to undo. We got to we we got to
1: do.
0: Oh, go ahead go ahead.
1: Go ahead i think we're going to say the same thing tomorrow when we do this undead paladin what's our what's our plan what's
2: our game plan well walt and i started talking about that um i've given him some spells to consider that are going to add some uh juice on the cleric side and i've got some spells on the magic user side so we think we've got the undead torment down I'm going to juice up fever a bit with my elemental blade to give you a little more bang for your buck each round. We need to make sure, since it's probably just the three of us, we need to make sure, A, we've got a dimensional travel idea, which I do, and B, that we have the ability to do what I think is going to be uh, a paramount amount of damage quickly and then try and escape. Because the suspicion is that he's putting us in the scripture where, where this paladin resigns either is a trap to or leads us to some alternate dimension. So we need enough protection because you lose some of your capabilities the further the further away from a planar standpoint you go. So that's a thing we've got so let, me, let me let me describe
1: the battlefield real quick. So it's a it's a mausoleum at the very dead center of the Crimson Oak graveyard. The front of the mausoleum is fake. All, every, everything around the mausoleum is old and, and uh, decrepit and vine-encrusted. The mausoleum itself is completely untouched, and there are four uh, angels that are really gargoyles on top of it. And if you try to throw anything up there to climb on top of it, they jerk your rope up, blah, blah, blah. The real entrance to the crypt is in back of the crypt. There's a secret trap door with a trap on it that reloads every 30 minutes or every time the door closes. So you got to do that trap. So we'll have to have something that disarms a magical trap. You go down a flight of stairs, you hang a right, you enter the crypt, you smell roses. There is a um, sarcophagus in there with a knight. He had a hammer on top of the lid. I took that hammer and gave it to the guild, which is part of the, the quest. You pop the lid. He comes out. He's an ancient paladin of chroma, whatever that is. And, uh, he has a big wicked sword he's got 100 hit points he has a jeweled helm on He has nice armor and when he comes after you if he gets into any sunlight he catches fire
2: so we think we've got the sunlight down we've come up with a brutal brutal spell that has that undead have no save against that will literally uh roast him up but so with the armor that means he's hard to hit that's one The smelling of roses could be the transportation to where he's actually from. That could be a problem too. And killing him might strand us there. So we're gonna need a way back. I'll I'll spend the next night thinking about a couple of different spells that could get us back. Um, And um, he's he's going to do a ton of damage per hit. So we've got to juxtapose, I would say between now and tomorrow find out exactly how many healing potions we can purchase at at any cost because walt's bang for the buck will not be on healing us it will be on uh undead protections that's where our our best is and mine's going to be on undead combat so those are the things now uh i can take maybe one hit maybe two walt can probably take up to three you can probably take up to three so it's a three round fight however this goes down
1: I think we'll have, have the dwar-
2: we'll have the Dwarf, yeah, we'll have the Dwarf with us, too. A level a fourth level, right? Yeah. So as a fourth level, your problem will probably be the fear effect. So assuming this is dead and now it's undead. Jim and I had a long talk about the difference between spirits and uh, um, undead. So if it's undead, it's going to be generating fear. It has probably the ability to drain levels. Uh, which is why Walt's going to need NPP. Uh, uh, so we're just going to have to look at what are our best. Oh, one inst- other thing, one other important detail.
1: Uh, remember, Walt, you because Walt was with me on the second half. Walt uh, made a zombie. It damned the zombie, turned it to dust, and then it tried to turn Walt, and almost made it.
2: So, so that's a huge thing. When you have undead that can turn clerics, that, they're pretty high up the food chain. That makes me think this was like a lord, something 10 hit dice and higher. That means he'll have a minimum of two, probably three attacks, possibly three per two, or five per two, meaning he gets... Uh, and if you know, it's all going to depend on how Jim wants to school us. So that's going
0: to be important. And what time are we doing that tomorrow?
2: I uh, believe it's one o'clock eastern 10 o'clock pacific right on it's going to
1: be great unless it's good unless it goes horribly wrong
2: yeah <laughs> we'll we'll know in the first 30 minutes because <laughs> from what jim was saying he normally does things like this for 30 to 30 to 60 minutes so our key is going to be able to take it down quickly and then get out and if we can't get out, then we're gonna, just going to be stuck there until the next actual session. And it won't be what we play on Friday. It will be how we start it's how we start Autumn Rebel. It will be us trying to leave the dimension of Wacko. So it'll be interesting.
0: Right on. So catch us tomorrow on Twitch. Uh, and uh, gentlemen, final thoughts before we call it? Or just uh, shut the shades and uh, run for the tavern?
2: Shut the shades, run for the tavern.
0: Damn straight. Guys, we'll catch the you tomorrow. Drinks are on Nick. <laughs>